Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, your official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Man, we got a lot of news today. Kings Hockey is in the air. Pucks are flying, passing, hits are going. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today before the game, which I thought was going to be televised. That's why we were doing it this early, but it's just going to be in your ear, in your eardrums there on iHeartRadio. But still, hopefully you can make it out there to uh, where the Ontario Rain play uh, and, and see some uh, some good hockey but I'm here with my esteemed co-host, Joe Paterino. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, Kings Hockey's back, Randon. If only you could watch it. Uh, that's a, yeah. It's 2022, and we can't figure this out yet. Uh, that's fascinating. And I, you know, listen, I don't know whose fault that is. I, don't, I assume it's some sort of contractual thing, money thing, with some something to do with something. But I'm sorry. They're wrong. <laughs> that's just That's just no good. No good. I'm I'm paying on every single level. I'm paying on ESPN Plus. I'm paying for AHL TV. Like you can't tell me one person doesn't have a camera for me to watch this. Ridiculous. Yeah, this is this is just again. I assume it's some sort of money thing and a contractual thing, but they're butchering this from a fan experience standpoint. I'm sorry, and I I don't know if I'm offending somebody, but let's just be honest and call it what it is. This is just ridiculous. But who cares if you are? Because at I this point, I frankly don't. Because what the hell? <laughs> We're in preseason. We can't. It's just unbelievable. So, um, anyways, but I'm doing great, Brandon. Besides the fact I can't watch the game tonight. So, um, well, some someone who's not affected by that is our our triumphant or the part of the Trinity there. NHL Russell will be at the game today. So if you see him, say hello. Um, and uh, you know, watch some watch some Kings game. We got some people in the chat here. Uh, we got CJ. Hello, everyone. Richard coming in. Go Kings. Go. CJ's in agreement with us. It's unfortunate that they're not streaming the game tonight. They've had this game on the schedule since the end of last season. Man, Michael V coming in. Just want to tell you how much I've been enjoying your channel pod. Thank you, Michael, for listening. Really appreciate you. Uh, And Richard's agreement. There's no excuse not to watch the game. So just so you guys guys are going tonight here, what we're talking about, training camp, obviously, the other preseason game. And if you haven't bought your tickets to the Brant Clark hype train, you better get on because – Seats are moving fast. I believe it's time to hit that intro. Let's go. All right, all right. So, yeah, I mean, train camp's full buzz, full go. Everybody's seeing clips, getting hyped here. Every single Fiala toe drag. You know, makes me go six to midnight. Uh, excuse me for all you young, young listeners, but I'm just pumped for the season. I think this has been the season I'm most pumped for since 2015, right after you know, right after that Stanley Cup there. Uh, and I, I can't remember how much I'm excited for this season. What about you, Joe? There's no question. There's like a, a greater sense of optimism heading into this season. And last year it was a lot of like, hey, there's some hope, right? There's like potential. Let's see. There's a, the actual thought of playoffs was like we could potentially get there, and all of a sudden the Kings make the playoffs, and now this year you add Kevin Fiala, and it's like you know what? Let's go! And now there's expectations. The buzz is in the air again from a fan base standpoint, and you know that's what the rebuild was all about—to try to take a couple of years, reset, let's restock. They've done that, and now the Kings were a playoff team last year, and they're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs again. And that's all you can ask for uh, at this stage of the rebuild, right? Like you, you figure you couldn't expect to be Colorado yet, you know, so get to the point where at least every year in every game, 
is meaningful and you're, you're battling for a playoff spot. And that's, um, that's fun. Yeah. We're going to get some, we're going to get some uh, negative news out of the way here. Just a little bit. Uh, Victor Arvidsson skating on his own. Uh, Russell said he's been looking good. Uh, you, you hear other accounts saying that he's maybe two or three games into the season before we could see him in the lineup. Some say maybe sooner. I don't think it really matters at this point because one of our topics is going to be exactly who might be his replacement. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Alex Turcott still skating on his own, trying to get through clearance there. Jersey is pretty much day to day. So we might see him, which will be interesting to see who skates with Edler once Jersey's eligible to skate. We'll see what they think about Brent Clark. Uh, you know, if they're on the hype train as much as we are. So a lot, some injury news there, but the biggest one came out of the game, Cal Peterson. Uh, you know, obviously preseason, he said he might have been able to play through it, uh, but there's no reason to have him battle through on a preseason game. They say he's day-to-day or so. What is your envision of this? Is it no big deal? How, how, do, you, how do you view this little news here? Yeah, I'm going to say just based on what we know right now, it seems like this was pretty precautionary and there's no need to, you know, extend anything or anything like that uh, or, or push anything, I should say. Um, so I'm going to say that I'm not exactly worried at all about the Cal Peterson situation based on what we know right now. Um, I'll add that Dersey no longer had his uh, no contact Jersey uh, in at the skate today. So he's, it looks like he's a full go. So it's just a matter of when they get him in uh, into a preseason game. So that's very good news as well. Yeah. I didn't get to see the chance of the lineups today out slinging them whips, you know, selling that metal. So I didn't get a chance to like deep dive into uh, practice today. So yeah, it's, it's been quite interesting and, you know, we'll go away from the negative news to the positive news. Where has been, where has been your biggest surprise for camp? And we'll, and we'll save all the Brant Clark, you know, love for the end. Outside of him, what's been the biggest surprise? And where have you been most intrigued about maybe making one of those last roster spots in the Kings? Somebody that bumps the rain lineup. Where where have you has your vision been? There's two guys that jump out kind of right away. I've, I've liked Gabe Velarde so far, um, which shouldn't be a surprise. I think, you know, uh, I'm generally a pretty big Gabe Velarde. There we go. Trappers in agreement. There are not capitalized going to be able to keep Velarde out of this lineup. I really like him. Um, I said it last year that I thought he could be brought to the Kings in the second half of the season and be an impact top six winger that they could add to the lineup. You know, they didn't, they didn't, do that. They didn't necessarily have to the way the roster was, the the fight. We talked about this playoff fight and yada yada. So Velarde though, I, I do think he looks good and I and I am a fan of his game right now. So I, I listen, it's no nobody's a lock. You can't say somebody like this is a lock right now, but I certainly like his chances to make the roster uh opening night. Where he slots in the lineup is a question, but I I, I like his chances to make the lineup. Another one I'll mention and I you know, this is going back to um, the rookie face-off as well. I've really liked Akil Thomas. Like, I just see a, a this is I just see a solid hockey player here. Like, he, he went off the second half of his Ontario Reign season. He's I think he's picked up where he left off. Um, there's no need for him to like be penciled in or even like uh, he should be in Ontario to start this season. But I, I think he has a good start to the season. You know, if the Kings need somebody to come up, if there's injuries or something, I think he could be somebody that gets a look. Um, and one more, talking about that battle for the, that bottom, uh, Jared Anderson Dolan. Um, you know, everybody talked about the Kevin Fiala goal with the kind of uh, the play that he made with Brant Clark, which is very true. Um, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but 
the goal was Anderson Dola was instrumental in that goal. He makes the dish as he crosses uh, into the zone and immediately goes center lane drive, goes to the net, and you can see he pulls the weak side defenseman down with him. He has to. That opens up an incredible amount of space in the high slot. Fiala hits Brant Clark, and the rest is history. Clark does a nice job pulling the D then to him, slides it to Fiala. But what I'm getting at is Anderson Dolan just continues to be a very smart player, continues to do a lot of the little things well. A guy that a coach can rely on, and we've talked about this, can play up and down a lineup in any role because of his brain. So um, I guess three guys that kind of stand out to me, they, they, they tend to be forwards, but uh, Anderson Dolan, Akil Thomas, and Game Velarde. Yeah, I, I agree with you there with the with the Kings uh, or with the with Velarde there, and and you know I got to give credit to the interview is all the Kings men had, um, you know Jim Fox on and said he was his most outside of Brent Clark was his most uh, you know outstanding player in camp so far. Really has been extra you know outstanding in the tight areas down low. He said he's impressed him with his shot is even more you know a, a, a lot of heavier shot than it was even last season. And so you're just you just think along the lines of of impatience versus reality when it comes to some of these injuries. And now I know you got a, a critique where it's due. Velarde wasn't good enough for the pick that he was at. He wasn't good enough to see, but he also had that back injury. And you might just be seeing his his whole career delayed one year or a year and a half because of that injury and getting healthy. I bashed a little bit on Akil Thomas. You look at him, like you said, looking good just because coming from the injury, we don't know how long those those injuries take out. You're healthy enough to play, but are you healthy enough to be confident in your abilities, be able to make those dangles, be able to make those types of passes, stay and take hits? You see that a lot with quarterbacks in the NFL, right? They have those uh, the ACL tears of those ankle injuries, and they, they see or feel ghosts at their ankles with the defenders around there because they're worried about getting injured again. I can only imagine this is the same for, for hockey players. Well, not only that, um, with, with the, the comfort level, with the, the injury and the shoulders that he had, but it's also just a rhythm, right? There's no, you're not on the ice at all. I, uh, I should say, you're not in game action, I should say. So then you, you get on the ice, you start playing games, and it's, it's just, it's going to take time to get back up to speed, back up to game speed, back up to, you know, thinking and, and, and getting back into the swing of things. And again, this is not a player with an, an extensive pro resume. He's a very young player. So they're, it's going to take him even longer to do so. So, uh, yeah, definitely bullish on uh, Akil Thomas. Yeah, so it's something, to, it's something to take a look at there. And I think that he, you know, he could be one of those guys that gets a cup of coffee here and then if we have deep injuries. Mm -hmm. I think he's he's serviceable anywhere from the second to the fourth line. He has that. He has a skill set to where if you need him to bash, he can bash. He can score. He can facilitate. He can play defense. He asked his coach and juniors to play D. So like he's not afraid to do anything. And then obviously the gold medal goal for all you Canadian fans out there, you know, you, that's one of the most iconic goals in Canadian history in the last ten years. So he's got it all, and he's he's able to come in and just do whatever you need him to do. He seems to be another Kings prospect that is just he's going to be an NHL player. I don't know what his that his ceiling is very high, but his floor seems relatively safe. Like I can see him as a solid third line, middle six type of player or bottom six. But that said, like he has enough skills to play up in the lineup if he has to. Like it, you know, we we have talked at length about to date the Kings haven't hit on any stars, but they've done a really nice job of like you know, collecting NHL players and getting NHL games out of these guys and, and later draft picks. And 
he's another one uh, that that uh, that I think does that, and he has a good blend. I think you mentioned he's got a good motor to him. He's also got a good skill level too. Um, he's played power play, um, and I, I believe he played some. He played power play, I think, in the rookie phase off a bit. Uh, I think he's seen some power play time uh, here in the preseason so far. He was really, really good in the power play uh, in Ontario. Uh, notably, he, he is. He, and we, you know, talked a lot about the bumper position in Los Angeles and how it was just non-existent. The, the two positions that were non-existent in LA were the bumper position and down below the goal line. And Akil Thomas is was excellent in Ontario in the bumper position. So. Um, yeah, I, I, again, um, I can't really, really excited for his season in Ontario. Breaking news here, not in the NHL, but in the MLB. Aaron Judge hits number 61, ties Roger Maris single season AL record. For people who don't believe in Barry Bonds' steroids, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> the real record. Um, congratulations, Aaron Judge. Yes. Uh, won't get into the baseball scandal that I heard, but I don't know if that's real or not, but 61 and no matter what is, is impressive. So congratulations. Yeah. Heck of a season he's having too, by the way. Yeah. He's on pace for the triple crown right now, which is yes. very impressive. I don't think the last person to win the triple crown was Miguel Cabrera, I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. So the guy I'm, I'm going to agree with Michael V here, getting back to training camp, uh, Chromiak. So I know he hasn't really had any buzz in the game, so to speak. I don't, um, I, you know, I haven't really looked at his line, uh, as far as that goes, because I didn't listen to the first game. I watched the second game, you know, but when you're watching at a bar and I was watching during, you know, Monday night football, it was just, it was hard to like hear and, and, and recognize numbers from far away. So I was just kind of trying to do that. But in practice, it's been noticeable from a, quite a few people that have been watching practice. His shot just claps. Like it's just a one timer, the execution, the skill level. We saw it on a couple of the, uh, the shootout goals. Uh, videotape of him being able to dangle his offensive resume is on full uh on full tilt right now in camp uh i'm excited to watch what he does with the ontario rain come the season absolutely yeah again um when you look at that, that rain team despite people and players that have kind of graduated uh either you know if martin Furk is no longer there you expect gabe velardi to really officially be with the kings uh for good you know sean Dursey's up in in la jacob overari hopefully will be in la like yet the rain look awesome again so it's really exciting we'll see if we get uh the goaltending and the consistent defense that we needed last year i think injuries mm -hmm. kind of hurt that i think yeah. they'll be better as long as uh, happening with health Let's let's move it over here to uh, to our sponsor here at DraftKings before we get into the preseason games. Let me flip it up here. The NFL action is in full swings at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add and you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football games anywhere else? To make things sweeter, you can throw down on a stepped-up same-game parlay once per game all season or once per game day all season long. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for deal details. I think that's rather interesting. I don't think I've seen that before where you make a parlay and the parlay hasn't hit or missed yet. And you can add another leg if you want to add a leg to it. That's pretty, hey, that's pretty cool. Uh, these, these companies are doing whatever they can do to get people in the door. Now that, now that gambling is being legalized as we, you know, state by state, you know, these days, um, there's a lot of different promos like that to take advantage of. Absolutely. Yeah, you're sitting there. You have two out of the three legs going, and then you're like, "Why not? Why not add a fourth one?" And then you miss, and then you then you wish you never would have done it. <laughs> All right, we're getting the preseason games. We've gotten two on lockdown so far. The first one, the Sharks beat the Kings in overtime, three to two. We have goals from Luke Coonan uh, and Carl Grunstrom, Timo Meyer, and the Lizot, the Lizard King himself. Blake Lizotte, Grunstrom with two points in this game, reminding us, hey, this guy's pretty good. He dominated in the playoffs, coming in, coming in hot. You don't really you, – he's the type of guy you're not really looking for in camp, right? You're not looking looking for whether he's progressing or not. He's just there. But in the in the game, shows you why he's on everybody's radar. What do you think about Carl Grunstrom's game so far in, in, the, in the preseason? I think when we ended last season and we talked about you know, kind of looking ahead, Carl Grunstrom, should he get a new contract? And I, I think initially I thought that he'd be, he, he could be like a 13th forward. Um, and I, boy, he, he's kind of solidifying, solidifying himself, I think, as, as at the very least a fourth line player right now. And I think he's earning himself a lineup spot and um, he, he, he's earning it right from his playoff performance to, to what he's doing so far. Um, he's got a nose for the net. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty. Uh, I, I like it. I think he's doing a really nice job. I think he's, again, another guy that is just you know, a, a safe floor, um, going to bring it, shift in, shift out. You know, the ceiling isn't necessarily all that high, but a solid bottom six NHL player. Yeah. Michael V's coming in here and give you some, uh, give him some hockey knowledge here. He's asking what the bumper position, and this is key on why the rain power play was so successful and the Kings mm -hmm. was not. So what is the bumper position and how can it affect the power play? So in most teams cases and in LA's case, they run a, a, what we call a one, three, one power play. So one being the point man, which is generally Dowdy. Although last season we saw it, it was often Sean Dursey when Dowdy got hurt. The three, you have the left circle, which you know could be your Kempe at times. You have the man in the middle, who at times last year was you know Alex uh, Iafalo. At times was a lot of times was was Phil Deneau. That is your bumper, by the way. And then the right circle, which was Kopitar, and then the down low guy was you know Dustin Brown at times, and and so on. So there's your one three one formation. The bumper guy is the player that's in the middle. So that role is. It depends on where they're because usually the power play is going to lean heavily, or maybe not heavily, but they're going to lean more toward one side. In the Kings case, it's Kopitar. Kopitar was the guy, and this was always an issue that I had, right? Kopitar was often on the right circle. The bumper position for the Kings was always left-handed. So that play that Kopitar was always the guy with the puck. He was kind of the facilitator. Yeah, he's on what's called the half wall. Yes. Yet. His play to the bumper would never result in a shot. And I think the killers know that because that for the Kings was always left-handed. 
so it was just never a fit. Like I, I didn't think the bumper position was overly effective at all in Los Angeles, in part because I don't think they had the right personnel there. Dano is not a bumper position player, uh, nor is Ayafalo. Um, we saw it get better when Kaliev moved there. So that bumper position needs to move. He needs to be fluid within the, within the slot, the low slots of the high slot. He needs to be a support valve. So depending on who has the puck, right? If it's the half wall that has the puck, he needs to be an outlet for the half wall. If not for a shot, oftentimes you will see what happens is the man on the half wall will dish it to the bumper guy and the bumper guy will literally just one touch it right back to him. He will, in effect, bump it back to the, the man on the half wall. What that does, it just it pulls the killer just a little bit, opens up a little bit of space, and then there's a different passing laning option. Maybe the maybe the half wall guy then goes down low. And if he goes down low, now the bumper position has to be able to move and get himself into a space where he's an outlet for the down low man. If it's up top, oftentimes the bumper position may turn face and be a, a position to, again, receive a pass and, and bump it back to the top or bump it out to the half wall or he can kind of suck down low a little bit for maybe a high tip. So that bumper position really has to be a player that that thinks the game very well. He knows what he's going to do in his brain with the puck before he gets it. Like he's going to make that, he's going to process that, and he knows. The good bumper players you know, and you saw Arthur Kaliev do a better job of that. In Ontario, Akil Thomas, great. Gabe Velarde, great. Taylor Ward, really good. So you've seen how effective it can be when you got guys that are moving without the puck. Go back to the the rookie game. I believe it was the first rookie faceoff. Taylor Ward's uh, scored a goal in the power play. He was the bumper position player. Brant Clark had the puck. He jumped down, and you immediately saw. And this, you take it for granted, but this would this didn't happen a lot of times in Los Angeles. But you 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 he Clark gets the puck. He goes down the the slot just a bit. What does Taylor Ward do? He doesn't stand there or get in Clark's way. He immediately pops right back out, gets himself into a lane. Clark makes the passing, one-timer, bang, goal. You have to think. You have to be able to move without the puck. So it's a really important position in, in today's NHL because of so many teams run this. And if you have an ineffective bumper position player. You're essentially or, skating four on four. At that point. It's really tough. To, and that's what, what happens in that is you become a perimeter team. And the Kings were a very perimeter team. You look at all three zones charts. The Kings were very poor when it came to high danger passes on the power play. Much of their shots and much of their opportunities came from the perimeter, not exactly high danger chances on the power play, which is exactly what you're looking for, in part because they had an, a severely underutilized bumper position. Yeah, you had some guys down there, especially, you know, with with TJ Tyne and facilitating, you have Ferk on the other side for the one timers. So you you have to have guys that are lethal because when that pass comes from the half wall, you need to be able to find the bumper for a little tap back for a shot, for a pass to another direction, or he lets it go knowing that the guy behind him has that one-timer. So he's one of the most, you know, utilized positions within a good power play, and the Kings obviously did not have it, and mm -hmm. that's because their bumper position was lacking in yep. almost every category. Yeah, and again, you, you watch that position on a, on a, on a well-run power play that is using that one three one system, and that bumper position is not always shooting it. It's not always a one-timer for me. He's not always shooting it. He, again, it's just bumping it. He's just... Bang, one touch, one touch, one touch to to one of the other guys. And, and again, it just frees up and some opens some other things up, gets the killers moving. You don't need a lethal shot from there. You just need mm -hmm. to be able to have a high, high, hockey, high hockey IQ. I think you look at trappers coming here, Thomas, Fagimo, Kromiak, and Kaliev could be perfect bumper guys. I think Kromiak's more on the one-time slot over there. The, uh, the 
and, and Fagimo over there. Fagimo does is intelligent with his pass, but Thomas has a better pass. Kaliev is very underrated as a passer. I think that you need like guys like Velarde who have a good enough shot but can can bump it back. I think in, in a pinch, you could maybe see Kapari play some some bumper just because he has a very quick release and he's pretty smart with the hockey IQ. Um, so it, it's definitely some guys that can be able to facilitate. You mentioned Jad because he can facilitate. I like him at the net front, and that's yeah, what we, we saw about that last year. Yeah, we, yeah, that's his really that's bad. his position, and I think he, even if he gets in every third game for the Kings, when he, if he makes the roster, he needs to be on power play too when he does because he's just so effective in that net front role, playing from behind the net, in front of the net, knowing where to be, knowing where to tip, and yep. that's important. We see guys. Um, wow, I'm just I just lost his name. He's on the Sharks. Went to the went to the Stars. Um, Pavelski. Pavelski. Excellent net front guy and bumper guy. He just knows exactly where to be all the time. And they're, you know, they're perfect for, for the power play. So going back to the Sharks game, uh, first goal of the game, Grunstrom, right? But who's facilitating Brent Clark? Twitter goes wild. Twitter servers break down because Kings fans going ape uh, and everything and just solidifying the hype train, which we'll get to. But it's good to see it outside of the rookie faceoff, outside of practice in a real game, right? That's what we were looking at to where, Hey, you're playing pro athletes. You're playing against people that are trying to hit you. We're in practice. It's a lot of drills, a lot of scrimmages. Uh, man, this kid just keeps putting stuff on his resume, making it real hard uh, for Rob Blake, which we'll get to, but what do you think about the goal in particular? Uh, nice goal. Again, Grunstrom going right to the net, right? He scores from, well, he was just outside the top of the crease. Might even been in the, in the, in the blue paint by the time he actually got a stick on it. Um, but that's the type of goal he's going to score. Uh, and I thought it was, was well done. And uh, kind of in general from that game, like you saw the, the Kings did what they should do against the Sharks. They lost the game in overtime, but they dominated the game. And it's five on five. They had over 60% uh, possession. They dominated the high danger chances, the expected goal. So that was nice to see against a team that they were much better than, despite having a roster of very, very young. And they, you know, they weren't, they didn't have any of the veteran stars. And again, I don't want to go too crazy about preseason, but these are the stats that we have. So we're, that's how we can look at these games right now. It's what we're working with. Yeah. Started out slow for the Kings, I think, but they dominated the second and third period. And, you know, I think the big thing here also, I think a lot of fans took away from, which I'm not too uh, upset about was none of the power plays. <laughs> got a goal. I think it was like 0 for 15 on the night. And yeah. McClellan said, hey, we haven't even installed anything in practice yet. So this was just kind of freewheeling and dealing. You hope that with the high-level uh, athletes that we'd get something there. But, you know, I guess fans are just upset because of last season, maybe residual, uh, you'd like, you'd hope to see. But, you know, we didn't have Fiala. We didn't have Kempe at that game. We had a lot, you know, other guys there. So I'm not yeah. too worried about it yet. The install hasn't come. I'm, you know, we'll see how that comes in uh, four or five games into the season with their power play percentages and how that uh, that moves up. But yeah, overall, a good game there. Um, I, I think the fact that the Kings, you know, battled back in this game after a bad first period, you saw good highlights from quite a few players there. Grunstrom solidifying his spot on, on the lineup <clears throat> and why they gave him the money that they gave him. Brant Clark having a, a, an assist there. Just a lot of positive highlights for fans. You're kind of sick of Logan Couture and Timo Meyer getting points on you, but uh, that's just what they do uh, when it comes to when it comes to the Sharks because that's really the only players they have, <laughs> you know. So I, I thought it was encouraging to uh, a couple things for for Brant Clark was 
uh, he, he, dom- he dominated the shifts. He was out there. So at, at five on five, he was a 50, 78% course. He, he was 15 shot attempts to four. So that was encouraging. And he also saw a good amount of time on uh, the penalty kill, played over four yeah, minutes yeah. on the penalty kill. Um, so again, I thought that was good too. They're really getting him involved and they're throwing him into the fire and, and trying to see as much as, uh, as much as they can of him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just really liked it. I mean, they're throwing him into the fire and he even said, I mean, it was an interview, I believe yesterday. He said, yeah, I played five games in five days, including scrimmages. So <laughs> I can barely keep my eyes open, but I'm never going to turn down a game of hockey, which just seems yep. like the player he is. So let's move it over to the Vegas game. Obviously, you know, uh, want to go in there. First period, Eichel gets it done real quick with a breakaway. Um, you know, I expect Eichel to be better, right? We talked about the injuries and coming back. I mean, a big neck injury is a huge thing, especially with a surgery that has really not been diagnosed in any sort of athletic uh, realm for hockey. Uh, you got to assume that he's thinking about every hit he's taking going to the boards and stuff like that uh, with that neck. And so now an, an offseason removed, he's probably going to be a little bit better. Came out and scored in the, in the first and then uh, the golden boy himself, the new acquisition, Fiala, with a beautiful toe, uh, toe drag uh, assist from Jared Anderson, Dolan, and Clark. Man, that's what you pay the guy for. We haven't seen goals like that much in Los Angeles, and that was just uh, chef's kiss right there. Pretty. Pretty from the get-go, too, right? Started to, started deep in the, in the king zone. Brant Clark uh, <laughs> wheels the puck up ice. Um, Nice job hitting Anderson Dolan, and again, Anderson Dolan got a little overlooked on this because of the such a because Clark was involved again, um, and what a you know a great move and shot by Fiala. But watch Jared Anderson Dolan on this play. The goal doesn't happen without Jared Anderson Dolan doing what he does. If Jared Anderson Dolan makes the pass and then like stops at the high in the high slot or at the blue line, there, there's no goal on the play. He makes the dish to Fiala entering the zone, and then he immediately goes to the net, pulls the weak side defenseman to with him, I should say. Um, and then you see the high slot open up. Clark jumps into that space and the, you know, the rest happens. So really, really want to, want to highlight Anderson Dolan on this play. Um, because again, just smart player makes the, makes a lot of a little plays that, that may go unnoticed, but that goal does not happen without Jod. Yeah. You're looking at a guy who's is when you take a defender and you open that lane for a shot, mm-hmm. then when the ball, when the ball, the puck goes to Clark, then people attracted him, opens up Fiala again. Clark just needs to make that yeah. little touch pack right back to him. Yep. And now it's up to Fiala to, to put it in a one-by-one a one square up in, in the top of the goal, which for him is pretty much a gimme at that point. Yeah, and it was a great play by Clark too, right? And this is what – when we get to you know talk more about him, I mean, this is what makes him so lethal and what makes this decision so tough is how good he is going forward in the offensive zone. That's a really, really calm and patient play. Uh, to then feed it over to Fiala. So really, uh, really good job there. I do want to give a quick, a couple of quick other points on this. Uh, you mentioned Jack Eichel. The Kings had no answer for Jack Eichel and his line, him, Smith, and uh, uh, um, uh, Phil Kessel. Go, What a line that's going to be, by the way. Um, they they were 66% from a Corsi standpoint at five on five. Um, and again, I, because I know people lose their mind with this stuff for whatever reason, like they'll quote shots on goal or they quote goals and assists, but they'll lose their mind at, at when you do possession stuff. Like we have one game. It is what it is. I know it's a small sample, but this is what we're working with. So we're just trying to gain as much information as we can. 
and this isn't to go crazy on Mike Anderson or anything, but Mike Anderson's task is going to be who? Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Jack Eichel, right? Jonathan Huberdeau. This is going to be Mike Anderson's job. And, you know, first game preseason, this isn't to say I'm reading anything into it. It's just these are the stats we're working with. And he struggled against Jack Eichel. He was uh, 18% uh, from a Corsi standpoint against Eichel. Um, so, again, just you take it. You don't do anything with it. You file it away, and you just mental note. And you hope that as the season goes along that Mikey Anderson's going to, you know, be that shutdown guy that you ask him to be um, in these games against these number one centers because that is going to be his role. So, again, not doing anything with this, not upset about it, just making a note of it. That's all. Yeah, I mean, even without and everybody might say, oh, well, he didn't have Dowdy. Well, he didn't have Dowdy for most of the season last year. So he if you you can't if you're on the first line, you can't be, hey, well, this guy's only effective on the first line or first D pair if he has so and so player with him. If you're if you're a top D pair, you're a top D pair and you're going to have to play, you know, uh, with <laughs> and without the other star. Chances are Dowdy doesn't play 82. So. You know, he's going to have to play against those guys. Sometimes he's going to have to be the shutdown without Dowdy. I think it was a poor showing, a granted first preseason game. I'm not making anything of it, like you said, but let's call a spade a spade. He didn't play well. It is what it is. Let's move on. Um, But he's got to be more consistent from that standpoint against the top players during the regular season. And that's just something that you note and file away, and and we'll see how he does during that. Let's get to what CJ was talking here. Phoenix Copley looks surprisingly yes. good uh, against Vegas. Now, this is after the Peterson injury. Copley comes in. He saves 18 of 18, 5 of 5 on the power play, um, you know, and he played 41 minutes uh, there. In, so second, third period and overtime. Now, you and I, well, me more than you, were not thrilled with this signing. We thought that some of the guys – in a third goalie role should get more play being Volalta Hrenic just because the chances of them playing anywhere in the NHL is very slim. We saw the third goalie last year play two games and you know, two games is not enough to kill you and you need to finally see what you have in Volalta and Hrenic. So I was not a fan of this taking away playing time down there, but he's on the roster. So what do you got when he's on the roster and he looked good. I thought he looked great. I thought he looked really good. Uh, he had a couple of sequences of some big time saves. He robbed. I'm gonna. I completely forget now who it was. I think it was in the third period. Just totally robbed that. He he had a really really strong game. And in a, in a game where the Kings were on their heels, they were second best in this game, um, pretty much from the Eichel goal on. Because I think the Kings had the first shot, five shots on goal uh, of the game, and then that was that was pretty much it. Vegas controlled it the rest of the way, and, and Copley was awesome. Full marks. Yeah. I wouldn't know because when I got to the bar, the Cowboys game was on. It took me 15 minutes to get my TV <laughs> changed, but we'll we'll let that go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the big notes here is you look at uh, I believe I don't believe Spence played the first game. Plays this game, leads all defensemen on ice in 25 minutes. Uh, you know, we're all aboard the hype train for Brent Clark. I get it. I understand. I'm there. I'm I'm the captain. I'm flying this train because I believe he should be on the roster. But Jordan Spence, 25 minutes, and he reminded us why he's so good. He reminded us why he played with the Kings in the playoffs over other defensemen. And, you know, it's it's something along the lines of, man, Kings have a lot of good right shot defensemen to go to. They're very deep. It's going to be an interesting decision. We're going to talk about the decision point from a Brent Clark standpoint, but definitely from a Jordan Spence only getting better. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so uh, I, I only laugh because yes. And you, I, I look at Clark in this particular game, right? Just um, so it's again, the sample of 14 minutes for Clark versus 18 minutes for Spence. And um, it was like Clark had a 63% in terms of Corsi and uh, Spence was uh, 30. Um, so it was definitely a, a, a big difference there. Uh, all that said, yeah, I think Spence has is, is kind of been a little overlooked, I think, in this conversation just because of, you know, everything that, that Clark has been doing. Um, but I was of the belief um, that there's no, there's nothing wrong. Jordan Spence, his, his, um, you know, his progression or his, uh, his timetable got kind of sped up last year just because of all the injuries. I don't think it was at all in the cards or in the plan for him to play in the NHL last year. He did a good job. Um, I, I think he played very well in his time in Los Angeles, particularly for, for a player that really had no expectations of being in LA last year. But I don't think there's a need that he has to be there this year from like, I think him starting in, in Ontario is perfectly fine and reasonable and letting him continue that that growth and, and and that development so he's part of the conversation though he absolutely should be part of the conversation. if clark is in the conversation spence should be in the conversation um but i have no problem if spence starts in ontario yeah i mean it's a different it's a different completely different scenario right he's not going back sure. to the ohl he's going sure. back to a professional hockey league where he's going to be getting 25 minutes a night right yeah. so he's going to be getting all the all all the the time in the world to progress Obviously, an all-star last year, first-team defenseman uh, on that roster, and and so yeah, he's going to be good. And it's it's going to be no surprise when he dominates in the AHL this season, right? Like he's going to be that guy on the power play. He's going to be running the point. Um, and when you have him in Tynan, and we believe Fagimo or Chromiak in that in that hammer slot on the other side, we're going to see a lot of goals like we did with Martin Furk. Yeah. And and this team is going to be very good on the power play again. It's going to be another lethal power play, no question about it. So, you know, looking down this, you know, Mervari with 15 minutes overall, um, I, I, I thought that you look at from a, you know, power play standpoint, Kings trust Jordan Spence a little bit more in the power play, three minutes versus Brent Clark's 131. I don't read too much into that, but it's just interesting that they trotted him out with the first team. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you had quite a bit of equal um, PK time. Edler had... Uh, 342, Anderson 342, Spence 343, Brant Clark 340. It's quite interesting that Mulvari didn't get much uh, penalty kill time. Do you make anything of that, or do they they're just throwing the young pups in the fire? That's a that's a good question. That's a very good question. I don't know. Um, I my guess is my guess is they are looking at this as they want to throw players like Clark and Spence uh, into these situations where. Not to say they're not used to them, but they're much more offensive defensemen, puck moving defensemen. You know, uh, I think they know what Mulverari is. I think they know what he can contribute and and be a player that can play on the penalty kill. I think they're trying to learn a little bit more and put players like Clark and Spence in certain situations just to see how they do. That'd be my guess. Uh, but I think that's that is interesting that he got virtually no PK time. Um, it's probably what it is though. They're, they're trying to, the coaching staff is trying to learn a lot in a little bit amount of time in these preseason games. So let's go back. Let's go to the final thing. First debut of line one for the Kings, 
Kopitar, Kempe, and Fiala. Obviously, Fiala with the first goal, Kempe with the overtime goal. Fiala has two points in this game. You know, and you look at who was out there with them to start the game, Jordan Spence, right? He was the first defenseman on there. So they trust him in that situation. I'm sure a lot of fans were clamoring for for Brant Clark. Um, But went with Jordan Spence, and that line looked good with the three-on-three. It makes me think you have Fiala, you have Kopitar, you have Kempe. We just have more weapons now where the Kings have been notoriously pretty bad in three-on-three, at least in my memory. I don't know what the actual stats say, but from a standpoint of just being a fan, it doesn't seem like we have very much confidence when it comes into the overtime period. What do you, what do you think about, I thought there was a lot of puck movement, a lot of good puck movement and, uh, and, and they looked pretty confident in that situation. Yeah. And, and as a whole, I think it's just going to take some time for, for this group to, to kind of gel. You've got any, the first preseason game for these guys, it's, it's tough to read too much into. Um, Again, like the rest of the game, again, the Kings were very much second best here. Vegas controlled this game, um, and the Jack Eichel line was better than the Andre Kopitar line. It just was. So, but that said, you, you got three new players, three players playing with each other for the first time with Fiala. Uh, although I guess you could say the same with Vegas, with Kessel. Um but that said, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about here. You can see what Fiala does. You see the way they're trying to get him the puck as, as he enters the zone. I think Kopitar having two guys like that in his line, I, I think there's I, – I don't have like, – like they tried Arvidsson up there and it didn't work last year. They didn't like the fit. I don't see that this year. I think Fiala is a pretty good fit with those two. Yeah, I think you look at two guys – that are possession type guys. Fiala has a little bit of everything. He's possession. He can go through the the neutral zone on his own. He can create his own shot uh, to where, you know, if if there's no space, he creates his own space. You have Kopitar with being the possession guy, being able to battle down low, being able to facilitate. And Kempe said it, you know, uh, best in a recent interview, also on all the Kings men, if you want to go and listen to that, uh, that he thinks that, Hey, like way, the way I fit in this line is I got to be ready for a pass at any time. And I got to find the seams because once they hit me in that seam, I'm able to bury that shot. And so I think that's going to be – you're going to see a lot of that where Kempe is going to have to find his his lanes, his seam, and then he's going to be continually ripping those one-timers. He's going to be taking that putt through the, puck through the neutral zone and driving to the net with those one-hander or the – you know, cr- crossing people up. And then he's just going to be – you're going to see him, I think, a lot more tricky goals on the seam because Fiala is going to draw play. Mm-hmm. Kopitar is going to draw play. And no offense to Kempe, but he's going to be open quite a bit. And, and, and like Kempe, that's fine. Like he doesn't have to drive play. You have two guys in, in Kopitar and Fiala that are more than capable. So you can let Kempe do what he does, be a fly up and down the wing, be that north-south player. And you saw what his shot evolved into last year and just let him fire away. Um, I think the fit's fine. Yeah. Richard coming in here. Fiala, showtime. Kings will kiss, kick ass all year. All right, let's go to the big debates so far. The big debate on the roster we heard it in the preseason so far. Victor Arfson expected to either be ready right at the start of the season or he might miss some time. Well, if he misses some time, who's going to be right wing two? We fully expect in previous pods talking about it that they're not going to mess up the third and fourth line. They're just going to try to have a guy plug in for whether it be for two games, three games, five games, et cetera. And our front runner for that because of his style of play was Fagimo, but We've loved Velarde so far this preseason. He's making a case to take the <clears> spot. And I don't think it's a bad choice for, for Velarde because his shot's gotten better. It's not the exact replica of what they had with Arvidsson. 
but you got to go with the guy that's playing the best sometimes. And I think that he might be a nice little fit for a couple games and they're earning that spot in the preseason. My, as much as I love Velarde, the only reason I hesitate with Velarde is, yeah, I have no issues with his shot. I think he has a very good shot. The thing with where I question the fit is I don't think at his core, Velarde is a shoot, a shooter. I think he is a player that wants to create. I think he's a very creative and a very skillful offensive player. I think he prefers to maybe slow things down. And again, this is a centerman, came up as a centerman at heart. So I think he wants to slow the game down in the offensive zone, make plays. Whereas you have more and to know those aren't shooters either in my mind. So that's why I think from a fit standpoint, stylistically, I can see why Fagimo is probably the lead candidate. Um, and here, as I see the lines for tonight, Byfield, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Deneau is playing with Moore and Fagimo is again on that right side. Velarde is with Grundstrom and Nate Thompson. So perhaps that's a hint and an indication that Fagimo still has the leg up there. And I think it makes sense because I just think he's a shooter. And I think that's pr that the way that line forechecks, the way that line gets in on a cycle, I think they need that guy that's a shooter. And I, I, Velarde can be, but I think he is just much more of a slow things down and be a playmaker. So I don't know he, if the fit is there with him. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I we, I'm all for Fagimo and I, you know, I, obviously I want Velarde to succeed, mm -hmm. but I do think that he's a better fit. We've seen it in practice uh, when Deneau got injured, they switched some things up there. So, but now when Deneau's back, that line is back with Figimo again. And, you know, as much as T-Max said that he's going to rotate people in and out of that, here we are again with that same line. Now, granted, we always want to say a small sample size training yep. camp can go for whatever, but that's where he trusts right now. And so Velarde or whoever is going to have to, earn that trust more to get the right wing two spot or Fiagimo is going to have to drop that trust. It certainly seems like they, they are, I don't want to say that they want to give it to Fiagimo, but they are giving Fiagimo the opportunity first to say, can you do here's it? The, yeah. He, here's the inside lane. Like you, yeah, you, yeah. yeah don't blow it. So that said, I like, by no means am I going to be upset if we get to the start of the season and Velarde is the guy that starts there because uh, I'm a very big Velarde fan. Um, but I just think from a fit standpoint, it, it probably makes sense to be Figimo. Now, do you see Velarde more? Can he play on the fourth line? Like so and... this is the question, right? Because Arthur, we talked about this, and I, and I think I I said it, and I was wrong, that, you know, does Kaliev getting the minutes, the, the lack of minutes in a fourth line role, is that going to be as effective for him? You know, that narrative gets tossed around a lot, and I think Kaliev showed why that can be a, just flat out wrong. He took that role. He embraced it. He used it as a way to develop his game and evolve his game to be a more 200 foot player, to be a defensive player. So he took that and ran with it. And that's a situation where it can be effective. I don't know Gabe Velarde. I won't pretend to know Gabe Velarde. There seems to be this, this, I don't know if he's that if he's wired that way to do what Kaliev did and say, I'm going to take this, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and I'm going to get to work and I'm going to make the most of this situation. Or if it's just not in his DNA or if it's not in his style, the way he plays the game, I don't know. I think that's a really good question. In the past, I would have said, 
I don't think it's a good fit, but I saw it with Kaliev last year and he made it a great fit. I don't know. What I, I mean, the the minutes could be there with a fourth liner and power play too. Like you could still get yeah, twelve yeah. minutes of of Velarde and let him ex, excel yep. in the spot that he like. If he plays the bumper on the first power play or the second power play, and he plays fourth line minutes, otherwise, like he could still be an effective member on this team. But then, who do you cut? Do you cut Lemieux? Do you cut Grunstrom at that point? Which it doesn't seem like they are because of he just continues to play well. It's going to be interesting to see how this this shakes out. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you put up the right wing two as the conversation. I actually think it's the bottom. I actually think it's the fourth line. Um, that's really the question. I think Lazad is obviously the center. I, I don't know how Grunstrom isn't the first choice for for uh, the left wing. I think the question is, who is the right winger? Is it Brendan Lemieux? And is it Brendan Lemieux game in, game out? Or is it Gabe Velarde? You know, Jared Anderson Dolan is probably the perfect 13th slash 14th forward who is a plug and play when and where you need him. So I can see that, but he doesn't have to play every night at this point. Uh, I'd like him to, I'm a big John fan, but if he's on the roster as that extra forward, you know, things happen, injuries, suspensions, whatever. He's a perfect guy to slot in, but who is the, the winger on the fourth line? And I don't know. Like I, I, I it's probably going to be Lemieux. Um, because as people always like to say, he brings kind of that that role and that element that is is not like nobody else does. So I don't know. I, we could see Velarde be a healthy scratch, um, but at least he's on the team, I guess. Uh, so I don't know. I, I actually think it's more who is what does that fourth line look like? Uh, it's kind of my I'm very curious about that. And I wouldn't even be mad if they changed it up every game. Like if they just let guys rotate in and out to see if they could find some combination mm -hmm. because you're not rolling back Cali of Lemieux and Lazat, right? You're going to try to find something that sticks and you know, you guys, you have guys that can all bring something different in Kupari and Jad and Lemieux Kupari's and, and yeah. Velarde. So you have all these guys, you know, Velarde is going to get claimed if he gets waived, right? I mean, you got to, there's think no some... way there is no way you can waive game Velarde. That's what I'm saying because you're yeah. you're not going to just give. No, I think it's in the, I think it's in the DNA of uh, of uh, uh, Yanetti that they, who was the who was the defenseman? What was it um, that that they drafted it and they waived and he got claimed and played 500 games in Edmonton? It's, um, Hurtley Huntley. Wow, Drucker. No, it was he was oh, a high draft pick. He was like a top five. Traded him. They traded Thomas Hickey. Hickey, yeah. So he was like a top pick. They they waved him. He got picked up. Played 500 games elsewhere. I think that's in the DNA. He's he's brought up so many times on interviews that we need it. That was a mistake, and we need to not do that again. I don't think they let a first round pick go through waivers at all. So then it 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 begs the question: Then who does? Because is I mean is I don't know off the top of my head, but is Kupari waiver exempt? I don't think he is. No, I think I think he is waiver exempt. I think uh, I think he can go down. So I, regardless, I just think it's going to be something to look at as far as that goes. Let's get some question going before we get into our final topic here on the hype train. Do you guys know what they're thinking about the potential plan for Nate Thomas on a PTO? Me, I think it's probably just a camp body. Um, I don't really think that there's any sort of need for him with the Kings lineup. Um, maybe CJ said he was a replacement for Sutter on the rain. They do need older players down there. I mean, Tynan is in his uh, late 20s. 
but I don't know if that's really something that Nate Thomas wants that maybe they'll give him a, they'll cut him and give him a chance to make an actual roster somewhere else. If he, if he doesn't impress, I just don't, I think he's a camp body at this moment. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you think of anything else. No, it's kind of, I agree. I think Thompson's a, a guy that um, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's one of these guys. that's a veteran guy that's well liked around the league, around the organization. He was with the organization before. I think it's just them, the Kings giving him an opportunity to get a couple extra looks. He's going to play tonight in preseason. So, uh, to give him some more looks to perhaps crack an NHL roster somewhere. Not sure coming in. If Clark makes the team, do we try to trade for Chikrin since they are loaded on the right side? I know that uh, Joe would love it. I think a lot of people would love it, but I don't really see a. There's not really many trades that happen right before the start of week one of the season. People got their rosters. They've already made waiver things, you know, going on there. You don't really see that many trades as far as any uh, big name trades, let alone any trades. I mean, I, I could see them trying to make a salary dump somewhere and, and trading away a player for a mid-round pick or low-level pick to get to create space. Uh, but I don't see a blockbuster like this be- right before the season starting. Uh, my answer is yes, please. Um, I, I have serious questions that the left side of the D is good enough um, to to you know. I think they'll be good enough for the regular season. Is it good enough to? win the division is it good enough to make playoffs win win a playoff series yeah all that stuff i don't know um i wanted to ask actually about the chicken thing because this came up last week and i meant to talk about it on last week's show was i don't recall chicken being as public about his desire to play elsewhere before last week was that was that a thing or am i wrong on that like he said you're you're wrong on that he said uh at the trade deadline i read it i listened to it on some other podcast and he said i don't want to be in through another rebuild okay he pretty much at the trade deadline he said they asked him like what he thought about his name being mentioned he goes you know i like arizona i wish i could have we could have built something here but we're going through another rebuild and i don't want to be a part of it okay but but he wasn't like i want to be out of here yeah he he didn't say trade me now he just said you know, if that's the goal of the organization to rebuild, which it seems like it is, mm-hmm. I don't want to be okay. a part of that. Is what he said. Because so. I was say the only thing I'll say is now when this stuff becomes public, that this speeds up the trade somewhat. I mean, we saw it with um, um, Pierre Luc Dubois, Columbus, Patrick Line, that whole thing. You know, when it becomes public, especially if it becomes toxic, and I'm not going to say it is with Chickering. It certainly did with Pierre Luc Dubois. That was a bad situation in Columbus, but. I just feel like then it, when it's out there and it's known and you figure now that he said that at the press conference last week, he's just going to keep getting asked about it, you know, depending on where he goes, right? It's not going to get asked about it in Arizona, but when Arizona plays on the road and they play in LA or when they play in Anaheim or when they go play out East in Buffalo or in Toronto, do they even have Ottawa. a press box at Arizona State? That's a good question. <laughs> you know the media in Canada, in Toronto, in Ottawa. Ottawa has been linked to him. Is going to ask him about it. Buffalo has been linked to him. They're going to ask, like he. The questions are just going to keep coming. So I don't know. I I I wouldn't be surprised if this year is the chicken trade because I just think it as the noise gets louder. Like maybe at some point he starts to apply some pressure to say, "Get me the hell out of here." Yeah, there's there's a couple of you know Sandheim is the Flyers are going to be bad, so I mean he's going to be mm-hmm. somebody to look at. No question. Um, you know Trapper seems to be fine. He said there isn't enough big enough need on the left side to get Chikrin. 
he's fine with Mavrari over Chikrin, especially factoring the cost to get him. No, I, I, I think I think the, I think is enough to win games in the regular season. But if the goal for is the goal isn't to make the playoffs, the goal is to win a series, two series now with the Fiala move, and Chikrin is just that needle mover. Now, I do understand people's complaints that he's been injured. Sure. At least 10 games every season for the last four seasons. Very so, fair. Very fair. So to say like, hey, we want to throw the, the the kitten caboodle at him. This is a guy that that along the lines that is going to miss games every single season. And now, you know, that can that can linger with you. That usually does with players. But then you have those guys like Frank Gore who has two blown ACLs in college and is an Ironman going forward. It just really depends on sports. And I think the the injury risk or the injury mm-hmm. history is a is a fair concern for you know what though like yeah I get it but you you're gonna see how dominant Jack Eichel is and everybody was very afraid of his injury and I just I mean it's 2022 I trust modern medicine like he's gonna be fine and you, Jack Eichel dominated that last preseason game and he's gonna do that a lot this year Jacob Chikrin is a He's a legitimate defense. Like he's a he's a impact defenseman. Jacob Overari is probably going to be a seventh defenseman if he's not in Ontario. Um, I you know how much I love Jacob Overari. Um, you know Alex Adler is going to play the bulk, and they're currently going to play a right shot D on the left side because the left side is so thin. They're playing a right shot D there. That to me speaks volumes that it's not good enough on the left side. Sean Walker right now is penciled in as LD2. I don't I don't know. Is that good enough? Maybe. And I, I think I'm optimistic about what Walker can do. I hope he can stay healthy this year. But, like, if you look at the way the roster is constructed, boy, a chicken would slot in perfectly on that second left D. And his his contract gets even better with you. If I don't know if people follow you know us, that you guys should be following us on Twitter, the scrolls across the bottom every time. But the salary cap's going up. By close to almost ten million dollars in the next three years, his four million dollar cap steal. hit is going to be a steal now, let alone in a couple seasons. And I, what does a trade trade look like for Chicker? And we've already went over that hundreds of times. I think one player that might be overlooked in this trade market could be Mikey Anderson. Does the fact that his agent only got a million dollar contract this year go to a different team that has more cap that's able to fit him. And maybe he can get four or $5 million as, as based on his resume, because they bring a guy like Jacob Trickren in maybe in this trade, maybe in another trade, that's a discussion for another time because we got one more topic before you guys get going to listen to this game, all aboard the hype train here, get your tickets. Cause it ain't slowing down. Brant MF and Clark is here to stay in my opinion. Now my co-hosts, I thought they were going to be eating crow earlier. Now they're starting to come aboard. They're starting <laughs> to get their pre-orders for first class upon this train after a couple uh, couple games during the, the scrimmages, the preseason games. Uh, you got your ticket yet, Joe? You got your ticket? No, not yet. But, boy, and I tweeted it the other day, the more you watch him, it's like, Boy, he's making their decision really tough. He's a 70, 25 minutes of five on five play so far. 70% Corsi player, 62% expected goals. Like, so the, the mini under the hood stuff is looking really good. My question is becoming now is, are the deficiencies that he has? And again, 
I, I, I'm on the hype train. I love the kid. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. But we can also be honest. Like, when you watch him in the D zone, there's a struggle there, right? You watch his feet when he doesn't have the puck. Watch him on the penalty kill and his movements when he doesn't have the puck. There, There's an effort there that it's not, it's not there yet. That still needs work. The question is, is that situation, his D zone and his, when I said before, when the play is coming at him, is that, are those questions enough? to keep him off the team and to send him to the OHL that I don't know because boy, he looks electric when he has the puck on his stick and he's going on into offense. Like it really is. And especially on the power play boy, that, but I go back to still, I still at this point, at this point, I still go back to there's no room for him. I, believe that they are still going to go with the depth that they have. And I, until I, and I think Blake is going to play it a little more conservative. I talked about it before that. I think it's going to get to a point where McClellan it's preseason. So they're playing the crap out of him. And I really appreciate that by the way. Um, I, I think that, that that's great to, to get him as many looks as they can, but I think push come to shove when regular season games get going, I think you're going to see Clark really not play a lot, like in the third period of a tight game, particularly if the Kings are 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 winning in said game. I just don't know that McClellan's going to trust that player yet, and I think there's going to be times where the players in the press box and do they want to keep him up and take that roster spot from somebody else for a time when this kid's going to be learning on the fly. Any other team, almost any other team, almost any other situation, I think it's actually a no-brainer that he's in the NHL. Just given the King situation, they're is he that defense. much? Is he that much worse than Jersey on the defensive side of the puck? I because I he's he's a lot Jersey he's right better now. he's better than Jersey uh, offensively, and Jersey's no slouch. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think Jersey's definitely a bit more polished back there. Yeah, um, I do, um, and I know that Jersey has had his his issues on the defensive side of things, and particularly so we saw that right with Jersey. That's the other thing. We we saw that with Jersey a little bit last year. Like he struggled at times when there was a heavy forecheck on him. He struggled at times down low. But I think, and this is a kid that's he's had a, a lot of pro experience, a lot of AHL experience. So we still like having Clark deal with that at the NHL level. I think is going to be a lot for him. And I I still think there's enough concerns to where the Kings can like talk themselves into saying it makes sense to send him down to uh, the OHL again. But I acknowledge that I don't know how you sell that to, to the, to the fans. Like, I, I don't know um, because he looks, I said he looks electric when he has the puck. Your, your, your underlying stats show that he's producing more than he's given away. And I think that his offense will produce more than what his defense has given up. Especially if this Maybe. power play is supposed to be good, and he's power play too, Captain. Uh, and you know, like, and he's only playing five on five third pairing minutes, but he's power play too. Like, he's going to have a lot more chance to be effective on the offensive side of the puck than he's going to be a detriment on the defensive side. Well, and I'll say this: um, so against Vegas, he played most of his time against Jonathan Marchessault, Jack Eichel, William Carlson he's not going to be asked to play against those guys uh, in the regular season. 
um, he would be asked to play against, you know, the the more guys in the bottom of the lineup. So to your point, that kind of kind of goes to what you're saying. I, I think they can have him in a role that he doesn't have to play, especially he's going to play with in that scenario. He's going to play with Alex Edler. So I mean, listen, I'm in. I don't buy that the Kings are going to make a spot for him because who's out and at what what they're not. I don't. It's not dirt. Is it dirty? Like does the does the deal that he signed a two year deal at a cheap number? Does that make him attractive in the trade? Does do, could that be a possibility? I'm just spitballing here. Like um, it's it's a it's a team friendly deal for anybody, especially you know whether you're rebuilding or whether you're whether you're middle ground and you're trying to make a push for a playoff team or you're a playoff team that needs a third pair D man that can play some power play. Yeah, he's a, he's effective there. I think because Walker is a little bit less effective, but I don't really care about the pick in return. See, like, yeah, I really you don't. don't care about that. I know because, but who has more value right now, Walker or Dursey? It's got to be Dursey. Yeah. So, but I I don't want to just give a player away for the sake of giving a player away, though. But for me, the franchise depth, like whether, like Walker, Walker, if he's playing prime, he's n- he's not a first round pick. Right. And maybe Jersey could net you a second to where you're coming equal to what you gave up for him, you know, or what the draft, his draft stock was. But ultimately, it's about the Kings. It's about winning. And if Brant Clark is a top six defenseman, he's on the freaking roster. I don't care about saving this person or whatever. It doesn't matter to me because is the goal not to win? Yeah. Yeah, if he's the best six defenseman, you're he's going to help your team win. They can shelter him with third five on five minutes and have him play in the power play too, where the power play definitely needs help. Like he's going to help the power play be more effective mm-hmm. than he's going to give up goals in in the third period. And I think, yeah, he's going to be look he's going to look bad. He's going to get undressed uh, certainly multiple times during the season by players when he gets caught out to dry. But he's also going to undress some first line penalty killers on the power play. He's going to be able to make people better. And I just think it's going to be worth it because I mean, you're looking at the defenseman was anemic when it comes to point production and we need more point production from the blue line. And now, and I understand if you want to, I'm fine with trading Walker for almost nothing, getting the cap off there, having Durzay play the left side and, and go that way because at the deadline, we're probably going to need that cap space for a big move. And so it doesn't bother me at mm-hmm. that point. Um, you know, I, I think the fact that a lot of people want it nice and tidy and this and that, you know, life's not nice and tidy. Hockey isn't a tidy game. You go, you go with the best guy there, in my opinion. And and right now, I don't I don't think it's even a conversation for me with Brent Clark. I know there's a lot of other people wanting to get proved more, including you. Uh, but he's definitely making it interesting for everybody. No, no question. And I think the only thing that I just want to make sure that at least gets talked about is amidst the hype train which is very fair and i'm in on it but like we're, we're doing a disservice to everybody to ourselves if we don't at least acknowledge like there are still deficiencies the reason this is a conversation is because there are deficiencies in his defensive game like it's not if there was if he was the perfect player he'd this isn't a conversation right he'd be on the team and it wouldn't even be close but because there are question marks about parts of his game this is why he's playing as often as he's playing. They're trying to see this. They're trying to get as much Brant Clark exposure as they can to see how can we work with it. Are there question it, are there question marks in Bjornfoot's game? 
Okay, and he played how many games in the NHL? Over a hundred, and he doesn't have different. he doesn't have elite traits. But that was Brent different. Clark is a Brent Clark is elite in the offensive well, side of the puck. But I, but I think it was a different. I, under, I, I understand different scenario, but I'm telling you, like, Clark okay, would have been up too. He would have yeah. played too. The thing is, is the King because at the time, remember when Bjorfoot was here, the Kings were kind of in a. They were still yeah, 2019. In that, yeah, right. Like they were not where they are now. Like if Bjornfoot was drafted now, he's not playing now. You know what I'm saying? Like there, it's it's it was a different. The timing worked out. The timing worked out for Bjornfoot in a situation where maybe it ended up hurting him, and he really should have played a lot more in the AHL to start with. Um, I think he he didn't have to play as much early on as he did. Well, he, because the Kings had no depth. They had they didn't have any players. They didn't have any depth. So he kind of was like brought in. So I think it's a it's a different situation. I see your point, and again, I. I like Clark. I just don't want to ignore the fact that the reason this is a conversation is because there's some question marks about parts of his game. Now, are those question marks enough? Well, that's what we're going to see. I don't question know. marks, Smetchkin marks, in my opinion. Uh, well, it's been a we went uh, you know a little bit over here. The game started 13 minutes ago. If you're listening on on the radio, so we'll let you guys get that. Get to your guys's your drinks and your food and your family. Uh, you know, hockey royalty streaming articles out. I think we're almost done with the player profiles because the season's about to start. You see our Twitter handle scrolling across the bottom if you're watching live. If you're not, uh, it's at hockey underscore royalty at rando commando 24 at NHL Russell at JW Paterino. Uh, follow us on Twitter, get the updates right now. Russell is at the game, so if you want, uh, you know, highlights and and commentary, you know, follow him. Going forward, thank you guys always in the chat. We love our fans. Uh, tell everybody about where you get your Kings content. We're shooting for a thousand by the end of the season. We're right, hitting over four or three hundred. Quest for four hundred is coming up next. Uh, we wouldn't be possible without you guys. So really appreciate that. Uh, one little note: some fan posted a Clark jersey with just the number five on it, and I don't know if you saw me retweet that, but that is a yeah. saucy single-digit look. And that would be my jersey to buy this season. Brent Clark, if you're listening, which I know you are because you're a fan of intelligent content, <laughs> number five, buddy, because that that is a saucy number for you to create a career under, I tell you that. And just w- one last thing about today's game. You mentioned it with Russell at the game. Follow him uh, at NHL uh, Russell. Um, he's, he'll be live tweeting that. But also, uh, Matty Valalta getting a start today in net. I think that's, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. Again, he's... He's trying to make a name for himself too. So uh, hopefully good luck to him out there, friend of the show. He was on our yeah. making it yeah. rain edition of the hockey royalty pod. Yeah. It, you know what? And in, uh, in light of that, I'm going to repost that uh, link. You guys can go and listen to that, that interview uh, friend of the pod. Thank you again for coming on Matty V. So, uh, you know, great episode. Let's get to the game here. And as always go Kings go. <laughs>